Okay, so we have a guest. We're really, really excited. Um, Leo is their name. And honestly, like, I feel like because we just met, um, we're going to be asking you maybe a lot of questions and get to know you even more because um, I openly admit I have not had time to dive deep into stalking you yet. <laughs> I'm offended. I, we need to stop this recording. But, I know. Okay, can I make up for that a little bit? Because I totally did. <laughs> I'll I take it. Lie. I'll accept it. <laughs> won't lie. And I even made it all the way to Elle's page as well. Dude, you should make it to her page. She's hot and, and talented. And stalked that one too. So yeah. it's fine. Everything's fine. Be- before we start, you know, I just have an important question. It's like, how much can I swear on your podcast? Uh, a shit ton. A okay, shit all- ton. I can get all my swears out. Just got, had to get them out. The fucking start. Yes, get them <laughs> out. I love, I love swears, and I'm all yes. for it. So, um, no, but like, so let's first just dive into. Give us a quick intro about you and how the hell you found us, and now we are like besties over here. Mm-hmm. Definitely besties. Definitely besties. So, uh, what's up, friends who are listening to this? My name is Leo WT. Uh, I wear a lot of hats in my daily life. Uh, primarily, I am a salon owner with my wife, uh, Elle, and I'm a parent of five kids. And I am a person who just has this endless need to create. Um, at my core, I think I understand myself to be an artist and sort of everything else springs out of that identity. But one of the, I would say, more core components to who I am is that I'm a queer person. And when I say queer, I mean queer as a orientation, queer as a political stance, queer as a complete and total paradigm that that I experience the world through. So... The sort of base of that for me is that I'm a non-binary person who was assigned female at birth. Uh, I've come out several times. The first time I came out as a lesbian, the second time I came out as trans, the third time I came out as non-binary, and the fourth time I came out as someone who uh, was trained to be a pastor. So you just really never know where things are going to go when you're talking to me. Um, That's kind of a a very brief uh, description of who I am. I also kind of another important piece is that I live and love and work in rural America. Uh, I live in Western New York uh, in a small town that's about 13,000 people or less. So all of my advocacy and activism is rooted in small town America and intersectionality. Um, I'm sure we'll get to that as we talk more about queerness. So that's kind of who I am in a very fast nutshell. You're an amazing human. Like all of those layers you just listed off, I'm sure are so interesting in their own, you know, individual way. My wife always says like, I wish I could keep up with you. And I said, don't, it's a compulsion. I feel as though if I tried, I would fail. It's exhausting, really. It's tiring to be me. (laughs) My brain is like three steps behind everything that comes out of your mouth. I process it like just a tiny bit behind. There's a bit of a a lag in our brain. There's a tiny bit of a lag. (laughs) But then once I catch up, I'm like, ah, I like it. That was good shit. (laughs) Okay, so how did you find Kirby and myself? Okay, so this story is... I think important to what we end up talking about, right? Because as I said, I'm a non-binary person who was assigned female at birth. Uh, For me, 
the way that I found myself to the body and paradigm that I exist in now is that I ca- I came out as a lesbian because just compulsory heterosexuality just made no sense to me, like whatsoever. Um, not that that's the only way that you can come out as queer, but for me, that was my path. Like I just knew from the start that A plus B did not equal C for me in terms of heterosexuality. But when I came out as a lesbian, I still felt this sort of like deep ache, right? Like a toothache, right? Can I jump in and ask a question real quick? How old old were you when you came out as lesbian? So I was um, 20 years old when I came out as a lesbian. I was away at college. um, So I had a little bit more freedom from my conservative family. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and there was just some, there was this sort of like deep ache, like I said, almost like a toothache where you can't like put your finger on it or and massage it, but something is not right. And I think for me, while I didn't have the words at the time, that had to do with my gender, right? That was a big part of it. And <clears throat> recently what's happened is, well, a lesbian didn't fit. So I thought maybe I'm trans. And I have always been deeply uncomfortable with my chest. Um, if we're if we're being honest here, I had great tits, right? They were 10 out of 10, but they felt like they weren't mine. And that was mm-hmm. something that was really strange to me because I, I like boobs. And mm-hmm. these were nice boobs, but somehow it was almost disembodied. And so ah, I relate to this so much. I really right? I, I feel this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually kind of glad that you're coming to this realization at this point in time, because what I'm going to tell you next kind of leads to sort of my non-binary journey, which is I knew I wanted top surgery. And 10 years ago, when, or probably nine, nine years ago, when I uh, wanted to have top surgery, it was a requirement that you had to be on hormone replacement therapy for a year prior. And so I was almost medically forced into being on testosterone. And Mm. it has taken me, you know, eight years to figure out that I might not have wanted that, you know? So for the last eight years of my life, top surgery was, you know, like nine, 10 years ago and eight years like or so living with a full beard um, and being perceived as male and the dissonance was just building. And I was like, I am I am multitudes, like I am a lot of things, but none of those things is a cis white male. Mm-hmm. And um, only recently through advocating for my non-binary child um, with their healthcare professionals trying to make them take testosterone in order to get top surgery, only, only through advocating for them did I realize it top surgery and T do not have to go together. And medical gatekeeping is a, is a big deal. And it's a big thing that trans and non-binary people experience. But I think if I was to come out as non-binary now, I there's a great chance I would have had top surgery first and either started on very low dose testosterone or possibly not done it at all. Um, so now I have to sort of, sort of reverse. And what's funny about that is um, L- my wife is is super protective of me and she's just really worried that people are going to see uh, me, you know, medically transitioning as a mistake or whatever. But the joke is, is I actually just got fucking gayer. Like I got more queer, right? Like I'm not mm-hmm. regressing um, to my sort of female form, but I'm actually moving forward and embracing masculinity and femininity and all of the ambiguity that comes between those two. Uh, so jokes on everybody who thought I was like moving backwards. I'm literally just getting more queer. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. And 
it's something I also relate to when you said, um, you know, it felt like, um, what was the term you used? Uh, like a toothache. Like a toothache. Yeah. I, I describe my coming out publicly non-binary where it felt like picking a rose and getting poked by a thorn every time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it just was like this, this thorn poking me every time somebody used she or her. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I started to recognize that maybe it's time that I, I pull away from it and don't keep it for the comfort of others. Yeah. And that's very much how I found you guys, actually. I am terrible at answering questions in short form. So now let me actually answer your previous question. Um, But I came to realize I've never not been a lesbian, whether or not I had a beard. And so for me, for so long, um, trans exclusionary radical feminists or TERFs and people within the queer community said, you cannot have a beard and be a lesbian. People would come up to my wife and say, you're not a lesbian if Leo is this, or they would ask Elle about my genitals, like all this weird shit that we should be passed as queer people. But mm-hmm. queer people were gatekeeping my identity. But I realized I've never not been a lesbian. And I've also always expressed that I was non-binary, but I never put it out there as mm-hmm. the forefront. You know, when when I would get quoted in the newspaper, they would ask me my preferred pronouns and I would say they, them. But that was as forceful as I got. I just accepted that people were going to say he, him because I had a beard. And you know what? I didn't have to accept that. And I realized I'm a non-binary lesbian. Like that's all there is to it. And so I started looking up the hashtag non-binary lesbian on TikTok. I started mm-hmm. looking up, you know, non-binary lesbian on other social media platforms. But then one day I was driving back from a roller derby practice. It's about two hours from my house. And I just put non-binary lesbian in my Spotify um, search box. And you guys' podcast was the first thing that popped up. And I was literally so fucking hype. Like I turned it on right then and I, I had to like focus to keep my car on the road because I was just so excited to hear not only someone else being like, you know, this is fucking real, but also to hear um, Ember, your perspective as the part of a femme presenting partner of a non-binary lesbian. That's huge because for eight, nine, 10 years, Elle has had so many people trying to gatekeep her identity as a lesbian. And it's already hard when you're femme, right? Like you're too pretty to be gay. That phrase makes me want to throat punch people. But (laughs) I was so excited to just hear that unique pairing between you two, because that uh, instantly connected me. And then of course, listening to your story, there's like a magnetism and a chemistry between you two, which is, it draws people in. But I was so, I mean, it literally felt like finding water in a desert to find you guys' podcast. I love it. Yeah, that is, well, first of all, it's very flattering. I'm like over here blushing. It's very flattering. And just, you know, we've had other people locate us, whether it's, it's interesting because I don't know if it's just um, from a hashtag standpoint or something and search and searching, but like other people have found us through using the hashtag queer couple or mm-hmm. um, like you said, non-binary lesbian. And I don't really think of any, a lot of it when we're putting in keywords or hashtags or I, I I don't think about that side of it too much. I probably should from a marketing standpoint, but I just don't. Right. 
but because it's so authentic and it's just naturally coming out, I'm not trying to target anybody. We're just here openly talking every day to exactly. as friends. Yep. And it's just, I guess it's very refreshing to hear other people find us for the right reason. Yeah. I mean, this is why vulnerability matters. And this is why visibility matters. I know a lot of people say, well, like, why do you need all these labels? Or if we keep coming up with new labels, does it dilute the term queer? But the thing is, is like me existing is fucking powerful. Because me existing has given so many people in my town the permission to exist as themselves. And just you existing in that non-binary lesbian space and putting yourself out there has brought a whole new level of like insight and validation to me as a person. And that's why queer visibility matters. And that's why micro labels matter. Like how beautiful that we can live in a world where we can understand the nuances of ourselves so much that we can hyper identify. Like, I don't think that's negative. I think that's glorious. Mm -hmm. And existing in that micro label out and proud is literally an act of revolution. I think it's um I think it was Audre Lorde who's a, a black uh, lesbian feminist and an amazing writer, and she said, you know, my existence is revolutionary. Yeah, that's deep. That is deep. Yeah, it's like I could go on and on about Audre Lorde. She's so good, but anybody listening should definitely read her. I think um, I I was recently processing some of you know after sharing the email that i sent you that was um from a family member um about their feelings of religion towards me coming out as a lesbian non-binary lesbian um i was thinking in my head the other day just about why people can't allow you just to exist that's mm-hmm. it like i deserve to exist i don't have to justify it i don't have to make it make sense for other people so they can accept it. You can just, I exist in this world just as equally as anybody else. Exactly. I made a TikTok um, not too long after I found you guys' podcast. So I had my TikTok went viral um, like during slash post COVID because I posted a video about how Jesus was non-binary. And as a person who's both queer and grew up within conservative Christianity, I have a unique ability to fuck with people (laughs) because I know the language and I know what I'm fucking saying. And I spent a lot of dollars and years studying it. So fucking come at me, bro. But I was making an argument that Jesus was non-binary and it went viral. And and that's kind of like set the, the plane uh, for my TikTok. But I made a, a TikTok not too long after meeting you folks. And I literally said like it was something to the exist of like the uh, essence of like I exist. And if that bothers you, die mad. Like, I I don't know what you fucking want. Like, I don't need your permission to exist. You can say I can't be gay and a Christian. You can say I can't be non-binary lesbian, but here I am fucking doing it. Like, what do you Mm -hmm. want me to say? You know what I mean? You have to deal with that. That's on you. That is not on me. And I'm not carrying the weight of other people's expectations anymore. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, carrying the weight of people's expectations, I just feel like that has been what probably slowed us down the most mm-hmm. if I'm being honest sure. carrying that weight. Yeah. Especially as, especially as lesbians who come to your coming out story by way of having children. I feel like so many people um, just devalue like, you know, lesbians who have children as if like, 
they'll be like, oh, well, how do you have a fucking baby? And I was like, I don't know, sperm plus egg equals baby. Like it doesn't, it doesn't yep. change. And there are so well, many ways that you can come to that. Yeah. And I think that's one thing about where I stand with the whole thing is that I literally check all the boxes that people look at me so sideways when it's like, you're a lesbian, but wait a second, mm-hmm. you have five kids. Mm-hmm. You don't look like a lesbian because when mm-hmm. you see me walking on the street, I mean, how does a lesbian look? I guess, but I don't look yeah. like one apparently. Yep. And so many people have challenged Kirby being non-binary. So I, yep. I like hit all of the fucking boxes that people are like, mm, nope. And it's like, the fuck? Maybe man? I'm going to gatekeep you today. And I'm like, how about, like, especially, it bothers me, especially when the gatekeeping comes from within the fucking the community. Camp. And no it honestly came from, it, it came from the lesbian community before it came from other people. Because yeah. I don't think we were, you know, we were more public with our relationship on TikTok. So mm-hmm. um, there was in the beginning. And I had a video um, that I did. Uh, a response to somebody saying that they were born gay and that I must be confused. Um, and that they said I'm bisexual. Oh, we had multiple people challenge both of us when we first came out together because we were both married to men previously. Multiple That's people so were like, and a lot of the people that I'm referring to were gold star quote unquote lesbians that were like, yeah. well, you're not really a lesbian then. And it's like the fuck I'm not. Yeah, exactly. Like come at me, bro. <laughs> I, 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 once again, I don't know how to say this, but here I am just fucking existing as my gay ass self. Like you can feel how you want to about that, but that doesn't change my existence. Well, I, my, my response to the person was, um, I did identify as a bisexual until I didn't identify mm-hmm. as a bisexual anymore. And mm-hmm. I I said that I was very, very happy that they knew exactly who they were at birth. Well the second I, they took breath, I was like, yeah, how so like, happy for you. Let me give yeah. you a fucking round of applause here because yep. like that right there, like not too many people have that. So I'm very happy for you. One yeah. thing I can't get behind is when people discredit somebody's journey because it doesn't look just like theirs. That's it's absurd. An ick. Nobody's journey is going to look the same. So if somebody else's doesn't look just like yours, that's okay. <laughs> yep. I think that's why I rally so hard to talk about queerness as an orientation, as an identity, uh, as a political statement, because queerness is all encompassing and it, it is, it's, there's so many ways to be queer. And my yeah, way of so being fluid. queer doesn't invalidate anybody else's, right? But being queer, right, is an establishment um, that stands in contradiction to systems that oppress us all. And so in that way, I think queer liberation is for anyone. Because when you stand up and say, I'm queer, you're like, you can say what you want about me, but my very lived experience means that what you're saying is false. And I think that's why non-binary peoples threaten so many different groups of people, including, you know, particularly like lesbians, because us existing absolutely blows apart what they think they know. And so by me existing, that means they have to think more and they might not be ready to think on that level, right? Or they might've gotten comfortable. But the problem is, is I'm not going to shrink so you feel more comfortable, Like, that's silly. I'm not going to hurt myself so that you feel better, right? Mm -hmm. I exist, die mad, or deal with it. I love it. You need to make a shirt that says that. Yeah. I totally do. I totally do. Yeah. I'll buy it. I'll get on that. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I don't know. I think there's a huge difference between like conversations that we've had with people that genuinely want to learn and have an open mind. And even if they don't understand it, but are at least willing to listen to it without judgment, those are the people Mm -hmm. that it's like, great, I love that. You know, all of the people are welcome to learn or have conversations, but it's the people that are just extremely judgmental right off the bat that's like, it makes you not even really want to like be public and be vulnerable. Absolutely. And the the easiest way to create an enemy is to refuse to listen to their story and to dehumanize them. And honestly, the whole strategy of the systems in the world that keep us oppressed is dehumanizing of the other and creating an artificial sense of scarcity, right? And I refuse to perpetuate that. I refuse to dehumanize someone else, right? Because I'm not going to do what was done to me. And so it's incredibly disheartening when you see queer people or other minorities punching sideways instead of fucking punching up at the systems that keep us all oppressed. Like, let's fight something real instead of fight each other. Because if we fight each other, the powers that be that benefit from the oppression, they just get to keep fucking going, you know? Mm-hmm. I think it's, um, I can't remember, there's an abolitionist who said um, the, the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house, right? And I think that quote is so impactful because, listen, hate will never dismantle hateful systems. And dehumanizing your fellow queer will never dismantle the systems of compulsory heterosexuality or patriarchy that keep us all oppressed. It won't happen. And so we need to do better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. And I just think that Hearing you, hearing you put it in this type of context, just people just need to get fucking educated or just open mm-hmm. their eyes and accept and realize that it is not black and white. It is not, not one way or the other. There are so many ways to live a life. <laughs> Absolutely. I think in a lot of ways, um, People who are of mixed race also understand the queer struggle. And I've actually been um, collaborating with a podcast of people who uh, people who are mixed race and work specifically with people who are biracial in biracial settings because they understand this um, one foot in two very different worlds kind of vibes. And I think that if we were to all kind of come together more and realize we can hold different things in two hands and still be one person, we would go a long way in humanizing other people. And I think even building that solidarity between queer people and people who experience life as a mixed race person, that creates a bond between us. You can't see my hands right now, but I'm like illustrating that with my hands. It creates a bond or a link between us. You're doing the same thing. Yes. Um, And you know what? That bond and that link makes us able to more effectively fight the actual systems of oppression that keep us down. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's like a whole thing that, that, um, we, I don't know. Do you and your wife use your notes app all the time? Yes. Is that a thing for you? Okay. Cause after tonight, I think I'm going to open a new note and I'm going to share it with you. And all the fucking terms that you've said in this whole thing that I don't understand, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to yeah. them out and I'm yeah. going to need you to define them. We're going to call it like the Leo Dictionary. 
I'm down for it. I was earlier that you said that I was like, hold on. A fir- was it a fern? Fern? Furred? Furt? I don't know. Uh, the female so something. Fast. It was a re- like you you labeled it something, and I was like, the fuck did what did they just say? <laughs> uh, I what, might have actually powering spent... something or other. I don't know. I'll I have might to go have back. Actually, spent several you know hundred thousand dollars of the government's money learning about queer theology and um, and also queer theory, and so I gotta like drop those words. Otherwise, I just spent that money in vain. Sorry, U.S. government. <laughs> I just think it's cool because like I'm always talking about how I appreciate the other people that want to learn, and mm-hmm. like it's also cool to be on the other side of that too myself because I have only been out for a year and I don't know a lot about any of all of it just like we had to learn basic lesbian terms like we were not in the yeah we didn't have representation people will still say things that i'm like huh (laughs) but you know what um i will say one thing that i found very helpful was sharing that email with you that i did and straight up just full transparency asking for your take on it or your advice because um there, I know I'm not the only one that doesn't feel extremely educated when it comes to religion or politics. Those are things mm-hmm. we've always been taught to be hush-hush about mm-hmm. and people didn't, you know, have the open conversations. And so yeah. there are times when even though I was raised in a, a Christian home until I was, you know, uh, eight, nine years old, um, mm-hmm. I don't feel confident i don't want to say arguing back but proving my stance my point Mm -hmm. i don't feel like super confident when it comes to religion i i don't want like when i'm getting a bunch of scriptures thrown at me and Mm -hmm. um you know stuff that's copy and paste and i don't feel attacked and i don't necessarily know how to um what to say back, but I know how it's making me feel. So I want to do something right. It was just mm-hmm. helpful to, to send that email to you. I, you know, with no intentions on responding to this person, but just, mm-hmm. just to help me process it more. And it really did. Yeah. yeah. I'm out here doing the Lord's work. And I always say that jokingly that I'm doing the Lord's work. Um, I think that one of the unique abilities that I have is to be almost a translator, right? Because I am and have always been and will totally always be equal parts queer and Christian. Now, do I, am I a Christian theologically? Um, Am I a Christian, um, like in terms where like, oh, I'm died in the wool and I go to church every Sunday? Maybe not, probably not. Actually, most Christians would say I'm a heretic, a la heretic apparel. Um, but most Christians would say I'm a heretic. But the thing is, is just like I was um, I was born Caucasian and American, right? I was also born Christian. And so I feel like it would be an abuse of my privilege to sort of say, well, I'm not a Christian anymore. So when I was wrestling with my own privilege as a white person and as a Christian, I started saying, what's a way that I can use all this bullshit that I was taught to make the world a better place. And so I constantly find myself in conversations with everyday people and with pastors. And the ones with pastors are frequently more charged. Um, But I find myself in conversations where I'm basically translating between Christian culture and queer culture, and I'm creating 
facilitating pathways for conversation that wouldn't exist otherwise. A lot of times I'm fighting pastors and a lot of times I'm encouraging queer people and saying, this is why what they're saying is bullshit. But I have the, I have the privilege and it is a privilege to be born Christian because Christian Christianity is the most privileged religion in America. There are a lot of things that were afforded to me because I was born Christian. And I feel like I would be dishonest uh, and honestly, it would be rude of me to pretend that I don't have that privilege. And so what I'm trying to do is focus on how to use my privilege for the greater good. And I think being able to do things like respond to that email um, is a way to do that. I actually jokingly thought about starting a cameo and just being like, send me your emails and texts from your hateful religious relatives and I will respond. <laughs> you Love should. It. You fucking should. Love it. 100%. <laughs> um, question though. and like. I'm just trying to totally understand what you mean when you say that you mm -hmm. were born Christian. Is mm -hmm. that in the terms of like you were born into a Christian family? Yeah, I my family is deeply Christian. Uh, so my what dad you're is saying is you were just like you were raised Christian. Yeah. Yeah, from okay. inception, I didn't even, I was so, um, to use a word that's kind of popular right now, I was so evangelical, which is a very small percentage of Christianity, but it is the crazy percentage that is at the White House on January 6th and voting for Donald Trump. Like, if we're being honest, it's it's that section. But I was yeah. so much in that section that I didn't realize that 80% of the global church was on a whole nother page. Do you and remember, so, oh, sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead shiny object over here do you remember um it was a tv show with a um a guy that oh he he was a preacher and he had like he was an how do you say it angelicist oh evangelical yeah and he had like it looked like he had like a dark haired toupee and he would like run up and hit people in the head and he'd be like <laughs> he'd be like you are healed Jesus be healed yeah yeah, yeah. Benny and he, like, hit them in their head, and then they'd fall down, and then it was, like, a whole thing. Yeah, that was, like, that was definitely part of the vibe, like, that sort of televangelist, like, I'm going to heal you from demons kind of vibe. And a fun part of my story is that um, I've actually had an exorcism performed on me three times, and uh, they were either really shitty exorcisms or they were so good that I'm just, you know, no longer, uh, I'm no longer homosexual. And apparently I'm straight now because that's what, my, what, what people think. So you know, how did that is back, pump the brakes for one second? <laughs> I have a, I have so many questions. How do you, how did that get performed on you? Um, so the first one was at a Christian summer camp that I was working at, uh, like a bunch of people were in a circle around me and I was willingly submitting to this at that point because, you know, I'm a, I'm fucking stubborn. And I was like, you know what? I'm gay as fuck. And I'm going to prove to them that I'm gay as fuck because I'm going to go through this shit and I'm going to let them try and I'm going to be open to the process and I'm still going to come out gay. Uh, and so I was like willingly letting this happen which is a little bit of Stockholm syndrome. You know what I mean? Falling in love mm -hmm. with your captor. Uh, but yeah, so a bunch of people are praying for me and praying that I would be quote unquote delivered from the demon of homosexuality, blah, blah, blah. And it was really emotional. It was really stressful. Everybody was crying. It lasted for like an hour. Uh, and then I went back to my cabin that I was staying at at summer camp and, and definitely, definitely had sex with a girl. <laughs> Failed. <laughs> 
<laughs> but oh my second my exorcism God. was at college. Um, and actually after my second exorcism was the moment that I realized I was gay, uh, for sure. Because there was about five or six years of just absolute self-loathing um, and self-harm before I, I was willing to come out to myself, to come out to my God, and then to come out to my, my world, um, which mm-hmm. I think are different layers. Um, but at my college exorcism, the second of the three, um, it was we had to go to chapel regularly three times a week. So it was after chapel during, I shit you not, sexual healing week. Yes, there was a week called sexual healing week. Laugh as much as you want. This college is now closed down. And I also at them all the time in gay shit. Um, but a, a couple of friends that knew that I had been quote unquote struggling came over um, after this particularly moving message where a woman who was ex-lesbian uh, came up and she's also a professional softball coach so do with that what you will uh, but she, they, they came up to me and they're like we're going to pray over you so that you can be released from this spirit that has a stronghold on you blah 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 emotional crying they're laying their hands on my head praying for me speaking oh in my god all that shit man and I went after chapel I went with my friend to pick up her paycheck from the mall and I was standing right outside of where she worked as a bath and body works at the Palisades mall and um I was just standing there at the bottom of the escalators looking towards the food court and this just fucking stunning woman walked by in front of me and completely on instinct my eyes followed her until she walked out of my gaze and in that moment like a snap I literally knew that I had made no conscious choice to be attracted to that beautiful woman that walked past me. And in that moment, I also somehow knew, like, no matter what this means, like, I am gay. And I also believe that, like, I was made this way. I I can be this way. I don't know. But I knew that it was part of who I am. And I and from that point on, it was, okay, what do I do with this? Not am I this. Okay, you guys. Well, um, we love you. And... Until next time. Until next time. Meet, meet, meet. meet.